It was the night before Christmas, and all through the town, tights and fights were truly abound. Pinfalls, submissions, they were all a hit. It always starts the day before Christmas, for it is the season of giving, a time of gifts. Or in this case, some random schmuck's time to book Santa for kicks. So he sat in his bedroom, questioning his wits, wondering how this dumb f decided to book Santa on f Christmas. The answer wasn't easy, nor was it clear. The man eats milk and cookies. What else was there for people to cheer? What would there be for Santa during a wrestling career? High spots and super kicks wouldn't be featured in his repertoire for the year. So Connor fought long and hard, knowing that he couldn't quit, for he made too many promises on Twitter that he had to reminisce. But then, as the stars came out, an epiphany appeared, Connor quickly realized, it's a booking video about Santa. Who the f cares? So he said, time and time again, that this episode would be the weirdest one that he's ever did. Did that make grammatical sense? Absolutely not. But this is a wrestling video. Is that what you expect every day or not? So let's all sit back and enjoy the Christmas cheer. For I somehow figure out how to book Santa this Christmas year. Jesus Christ help me. On this week's episode of the Wrestling with Fiction Podcast, we'll be discussing, he knows when you're sleeping, he knows when you're awake, it's Santa! What on earth could he do in a wrestling ring? Could he potentially win a world title? And are we actually seriously doing this? So for now, tell your friends, tell your friendliest friends, Tell them all about this new special holiday edition of the Wrestling With Fiction Podcast! Ladies, gentlemen, and ladies, gentlemen, we're actually doing this. This is actually happening. The, the joke has gone too far. I, I can't believe I'm doing this, but we're doing it. Well, I am booking Santa this week on this special holiday edition of the Wrestling With Fiction podcast. If this is your first time looking at this podcast, you've picked a hell of an episode to start with, because this is likely to be probably the weirdest episode I've ever done at this show. Because most of the time, it's been of actual wrestlers, not Santa. And as far as I know, whilst there have been... Christmas-related characters think, a.k.a. our favourite mayor of Knox County, the Christmas creature, or other various Christmas things like Santa getting run over by a car. I still remember that, Del Rio. There has not been a definitive Santa character. And I'm going to change that. I don't know how. I don't know what. But I thought of some ideas. As anyone... Who loves wrestling does? We like to speculate. So, this podcast is going to be a little bit different. 
So, there's gonna be no fantasy fumble this week because it's bloody Santa. Most of this is gonna be fumbling. And it's just gonna be creating possibilities in which Santa, I'm not kidding, could be a potential wrestler. And I'm not talking just a comedy act. You'll see what I mean. But first, we need to discuss how this would all come about. So a couple prerequisites with this first. Uh, this is Santa, first of all. So all promotions are acceptable for this random selection of character storylines I'm going to be implementing here. Why, you may ask? This is a character who, in myth, can travel across the entire world in one night and drop down presents. That is something mythical that you can put into any wrestling promotion. That is perfectly fine. Second of all, we need to define who Santa is. And I'm not just talking about the fact that he is a man that knows when you're sleeping, knows when you're awake, and also wears a lot of red. We need to get down, because this is a whole character we're talking about, his goals, his obstacles, his actions, his tactics, and his stakes. Otherwise known as GOATS. Which is basically my all-around system of how we're going to be creating Santa for this week's episode here. So, some of the basic things that I've thought of with the Santa character is, how can you present this on television and make it convincing? And, first of all, that's already incredibly easy because he's goddamn Santa. Anyone under a rock knows who Santa is. He's a guy who by many myths and legends for children across many generations, has been a man to spread cheer and joy through the gifts of presents and just good old kindness, you know, bringing the families together. That's the basics of Santa, but the goal of Santa is to make these millions and trillions of people happy and nice, and doing that through the magic of gifts and holiday spirit. We, I think you all know the basics of Santa. Now, the obstacles are where it gets interesting for this man. If you think about it, wrestling is defined by bad guys, heels, many people who question the ideologies of many face wrestlers and cause them to turn. Santa, potentially no exception. They could potentially question... Oh, if he's such a good guy, why didn't this happen? You know all the classic heel stuff. His actions, of course. He is wrestling. Why would he wrestle? Think about it. Santa is a pop culture icon in many ways. He's on the face of Coca-Cola. He's been on multiple product placements. He constantly probably gets a bunch of royalty checks from multiple bits of clothing and items. He's basically a media juggernaut. And wrestling, whether you like it or not, does still have a huge chunk in ratings, even with the decline of television ratings. Raw still gets about over a million views, AEW and NXT collectively get about 1.5, and SmackDown still averages about 2 million views across two hours. Why would Santa, as a character, not want to be involved with that to spread his own Christmas cheer? So now, we have a reason why Santa would be there. Tactics. Well, 
he is Santa. I imagine he's incredibly athletic despite his appearance. Because let's face it, we watch wrestling. You don't judge a book by its cover. I estimate that Santa is probably a lot more athletic than people realize. And so I feel his gift, his gear and his potential in ring appearances, because we are booking Santa in wrestling matches, can reflect this. So I'm thinking he wears his traditional sort of like Santa undergarments, those like long pants. He kind of has a, I don't know what, I think of like a wife beater that he has to wear over his big like fluffy Santa coat. Just because he's gonna be in a wrestling ring, it's gonna be very hot. There has to be some sort of logic with Santa that he might have to take it off. Because, you know what? Yes, Santa is wrestling. We don't want another IRS situation where he's just sweating out of his t-shirt. Now, the stakes. What are the stakes of Santa getting into a wrestling ring? And, personally for me, it's the reputation that he spreads. He's very much, like, if we're taking it into wrestling terms, he is the biggest babyface you could potentially have at the beginning of his career. He is pretty much the face of Christmas. Children around the world don't want to see Santa get beat up by MJF. <laughs> so, by proxy, he's got a lot of stakes into each of his matches, because if he loses, he's basically saying that Santa is not tough. <laughs> and that nice guys sometimes finish last. So, that's kind of the basics of what I'm looking at. If you want to get a good idea of who I think Santa is as a wrestler, I think in terms of references, considering he's quite a big, bulky guy, I think you could probably compare him to someone like Willie Mac. That's a good example. Uh, like a mixture between Willie Mac and... You know what? Tomohiro Ishii. Like, kind of a big, bulky guy who can move around quite well in the ring. I'm thinking a little bit more of a hoss. Uh, I personally thought of his finisher being a lariat that I have dubbed the stocking stuffer, which is just a very, like, super powerful lariat. Think similar to, like, it's like a weird cross between John Bradshaw Layfield's, like, clothesline from hell. And I don't know if Baron Corbin still does this, the, like, thing where he'd, like, run outside the ring, like, take a turn from, like, the ring post, and then just sort of, like, hit a clothesline on him. Maybe you could say he's, like, travelling across the North Pole and then hits him with it. I don't know, I think that sounds pretty fun. So yeah, that's kind of the basics of what we're looking at. So to summarise, Santa's goal is to help. Help and be nice to children everywhere. Be a positive influence among the world. His obstacles are, of course, wrestlers challenging his ideology and blocking his ability to fulfil his duties. Like, you know, helping put presents down the tree. Uh, his actions would be, of course, wrestling, and also helping out children in the crowds. Uh, and his stakes? Well, his goodwill reputation. So, let's put that reputation to the test. By really getting a good idea of who is on the naughty list. <laughs> Chris Jericho. Now, you might be wondering, why Chris Jericho? Well, he does have a certain list, doesn't he? 
I'm not talking about the list of Jericho. I'm talking about the lexicon of Le Champion. A list that, for many, doesn't really mean anything. It's, it's a list sort of listing people who Jericho deems as bad. Some would say naughty. Kind of like somebody else's similar list. So, the basis of this story is that Santa is, he's kind of behind on his whole giving out gifts to people. So he's arrived on AEW specifically to spread the joy and spread the cheer. And he's on a quest to find his naughty list that has been conveniently missing for about over a year. He's not quite sure who's a good guy and who's a bad guy now. And who really deserves presents and who really deserves coal. Well, until he meets Chris Jericho, who, in a typical Chris Jericho style, says that, you know, this this ain't your list. This is mine. It's the le- lexicon of Le Champion. And because, in case you haven't noticed, AEW's never really revealed the front of that list. And what does it say at the front of it? It's Santa's naughty list. Jericho, in storyline has stolen Santa's naughty list. And he is currently on the run from Santa as he tries to reclaim his list that was rightfully stolen from him. So of course, over the coming weeks, we have sort of Santa make his AEW debut because this is all just a little bit before Christmas, I'd say about a month before. And you know, he's having these matches with you know, just sort of people who have been associated with the inner circle. So say, like, Peter Avalon, who tried to join during the whole, like, thing when MGF was trying to join. Uh, maybe you also want Sammy Guevara in there, just to kind of give it a little bit of credibility. Also, just to have him take a huge bump from Santa's Lariat, which would be freaking awesome. And if you want, have him be in this kind of a tag team match against Santana and Ortiz, where... Who the hell would not want to team up with Santa? He is Santa. I'm sure a bunch of the babyfaces would just want to join him because he's Santa himself. And you do that, and then once the match ends, there's this Titantron. It's a it's a pre-recorded thing where Santa, North Pole, has been nearly completely destroyed. The Inner Circle has invaded the North Pole. And I know what you're thinking. Why Santana and Ortiz here and not the rest of the group? Keep in mind, MJF and Wardlow have joined the group, so they've still got a massive faction. So, it's all recorded by Sammy Guevara on his phone, back when he used to do the whole phone gimmick. And you just see these pile of elves just knocked out on the floor. You have this whole collection of Christmas ornaments and presents completely destroyed. And then they get to a bedroom where Mrs. Claus has been knocked out by the Judas effect of Chris Jericho. And to add salt into the wound, he puts Santa on the naughty list and says, I celebrate Hanukkah. And I know he doesn't really celebrate Hanukkah, but you get the point. So you build this serious feud that Santa's trying to do his job, and he's being invaded by Chris Jericho and his inner circle that 
are essentially hijacking Christmas because they didn't get what they want. And in Jericho's case, it's a rematch for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship, a title match that he never got against John Moxley. And quite frankly, he believes he's in line for because he has a pinfall victory over Kenny Omega, one of the very few who've had a pinfall victory over Kenny Omega. And so, over the next week, it is a triple threat AEW World Title match, and it does not involve Santa, in case you were wondering. It's Kenny Omega, Chris Jericho, and Hangman Page, the first three people who were vying for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship, all in the same ring, having a competitive match, and Jericho looks like he's on the pinnacle of winning. He is about to pin Hangman Page, a man who he knows he's beaten before, until some music plays, and presents are being passed from person to person, and Santa is not effing around. He comes in after giving presents to people in the crowd, and he breaks up the pinfall, because this is no DQ in a triple threat match, I believe still, I'm not sure, and blocks it. It's all completely stunned. Jericho's one thing that he wanted for Christmas, thwarted by the creator of Christmas himself. And in this, we build to a very special Christmas event of AEW, Chris Jericho versus Santa in a naughty list fight. I couldn't think of a better name. So basically, it's a street fight where it's anything goes. Santa and his like collection of elves or people just looking to help him out, coming out there with his newly dubbed naughty list where the only thing on there is Chris Jericho. And Chris Jericho comes out with his own naughty list, putting Santa alone. It is a match of two titans that should not be put together in a wrestling ring. <laughs> and that's kind of how I would want to build something up with that. You kind of build Santa's credibility, kind of make him feel like he's a longer-term character on the roster. You know, really sort of emphasize his goodness as a character in this type of circumstance. His goal of being good to children kind of thwarted because he can't really tell the difference between naughty and nice because of Jericho. And Chris Jericho, he's just kind of being a douche, isn't he? Which Jericho's really kind of been missing lately with the whole inner circle. And don't get me wrong, I love the inner circle. But I feel that sometimes their brand of promos can go a little too far into kind of babyface territory, because they're all so likeable with their own sort of, like, comedic traits, especially with all the new, like, Jericho video packages we've been getting that have been, like, almost homages to films like Hangover, uh, the other ones that I've, I can't really think of off the top of my head because this is a podcast, but they've all been kind of with this almost comedic spin that kind of makes him seem like a more of a redeemable character, and you can't really have that with Santa, Particularly if his whole thing is that he wants to help people. So I feel like in this you'd have to emphasize the negative parts of Chris Jericho. The very selfish parts that haven't really been seen since he lost the title to John Moxley. 
and the stadium stampede and so on and so forth. And with it, you build Santa as kind of a more credible threat and not just a joke because he's in there with Chris Jericho. And at the same time, it's also kind of a joke because Jericho had a competitive feud with Orange Cassidy. This type of thing isn't completely out of the realm of possibility, especially with Jericho and the way that he like cuts promos and like his history of kind of being a delusional character, particularly with like the stuff with like it, multiple catchphrases like it, you stupid idiot, all of that stuff. I wouldn't be surprised of him saying that it's happy Hanukkah instead of Christmas for him now and that he's officially Jewish. I feel like that's not out of the realm of possibilities for the Chris Jericho character. And I feel like with this, you can... You don't have to have Santa win. Though I feel like, storyline-wise, you could have him win. And you also make him a credible thing. Say, if you want to book him a little bit longer than December. That's a four. Because if you're going to make Santa a character in wrestling you have to break him out of the traditional sort of constraints of the holidays. You can't just keep him purely in there for just the holiday season. Which is why you need to debut him, arguably, sometimes a little bit earlier. And maybe, with if you play your cards right, you can give him a new lease on life. Maybe some gold. <laughs> FTR for the tag titles. I'm serious. I swear I'm serious. Now I know what you're thinking. Connor, this makes no sense. And in many circumstances, I think you would be right. First of all, this is an entire podcast based around Santa and wrestling and Santa having feuds. Most of this would not make sense. But, I think you can make an exception for this type of match that I'll be alluding to now. So, the reason why I'm putting FTR specifically as tag team champions is because I personally think they're going to beat the Young Bucks for the tag titles, and you kind of need a heel for what I'm talking about here. So, in this scenario, Santa debuts two months earlier. So say, early November. Which, by this point, in storyline, his sort of explanation of getting presents around to everyone is ahead of schedule. Everything's already been made. All the plans are set in motion. But, he realises that he can't quite get presents for everyone this year. Because not everyone is able to watch AEW Dynamite on TNT. Yes, it sounds like a blatant product placement, but this is wrestling. I think this is fine. <laughs> and because he's not able to show everyone the joys of AEW on TNT, he feels that the only way to do that is to bring the gold around the world. Really just spread the Christmas cheer. And the only way to do that is if he enters the wrestling ring and goes for a title. But of course, Santa can't do this on his own. He doesn't know how to wrestle. So he's on a quest to win the tag team titles, which 
if this is already holding red flags, FTR is the definition of tag team wrestling. In many circumstances, I think he they would absolutely despise the fact that Santa is looking to take the tag team titles from the greatest tag team on this planet. And quite frankly, I think they would hate the idea that some random person dressed in very bright red trousers was willing to take their titles from them. Particularly since they were almost forced to be comedy jokes in WWE. So, that's the basic premise of this. But, how does Santa get a tag team partner? Like, he can't just suddenly get Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer to help him out. Or, he can't get some random elves. It's just, it wouldn't work. He doesn't have the chemistry or the need to do this. So, of course, he has to hold auditions to get his tag team partner from AEW. So, we get a series of skits from week to week of Santa trying to get the perfect tag team partner to win the AEW Tag Team Championship. You get multiple entrants, not just like singles guys, you even get some tag team wrestlers in there. Guys like Peter Avalon, Brandon Cutler, uh, you know, Wardlow. Yes, Wardlow. You don't know if he loves Christmas or not. But he doesn't really go for any of them. They're they're all good guys, but they don't really have the drive to be a tag team champion that he kind of feels needs to be present to spread the goodwill and joy. They're all selfish reasons to be AEW tag team champion. Until he sees Jungle Boy, a character who, for the most part in AEW, has been a mute. He hasn't really said much. Anytime that promos are done with Jurassic Express, it's done with Marco Stunt, or it's with Luchasaurus. You never really hear much from Jungle Boy. And you might be asking, why is it that Santa would team with Jungle Boy when he already has a tag team? Well, it's all about planting the seeds of Jungle Boy, you know, breaking out from Jurassic Express. And sometimes, to do that, you need to have the character do some stuff on his own. Does this mean that he's broken up from Jurassic Express? Absolutely not. In fact, at the beginning, he's probably a better team with them than he is with Santa. In fact, once they're made a team, they're losing. A lot. And so you get these, like, bonding moments between the two. Because from Santa's perspective, Jungle Boy is this character who was very... I guess not well off is a good way to describe it. If you guys do or don't know based off Jim Ross's commentary, he's constantly referred to as Jungle Boy Jack Perry, the son of Luke Perry, a big wrestling fan who, from many people's perspective, was just a diehard fan who just wanted to see Jungle Boy win the gold. He was constantly like backstage during indie shows, there to support his son, and he was all supportive of him, like, eventually, like, getting a shot f- in AEW. I could be entirely wrong with that, but I do remember him being very supportive of it. Don't take anything that I'm saying about this as, like, me having definitive facts. This is just off the top of my head. And with it, Jungle Boy has this sort of desire to be a champion. Not just for himself, but 
for his dad, who never really got to see him hold a big title on the world stage. And so, for Santa, this isn't just about him winning the title and spreading it across for all the good girls and boys. It's also about fulfilling a childhood dream that was never really fulfilled. And one that couldn't be reciprocated with his father. And that's kind of the basis of this team and how you start to really sort of like build them up is this kind of, you know, the odd couple tag team that will they get along? Will they not get along? We've heard this story before, but it's with a babyface team that little by little is slowly coming together as a team and they, they start to win matches. And when they finally get a shot at FTR, it's not about Jungle Boy not only just winning the titles with Santa, and for the sake of Jurassic Express, it's all about, well, him defining himself away from his father. As I've already alluded to, Jim Ross constantly says on commentary that he's Jungle Boy Jack Perry, Jungle Boy Jack Perry, Jungle Boy Jack Perry. And for me, I've always found this kind of odd and kind of, I'd say kind of insulting for Jungle Boy as like a character because it isn't really making him stand on his own if you're constantly reminding him of his like acting dad. I understand why you want to do it for like publicity and also credibility, but... If you look at Jungle Boy compared to Luke Perry, they're two almost completely different people. So why wouldn't you want to treat them like that? In fact, make it a desire for him to have that. Because I think that's what... I mean, I can't really speak for the character, and I can't really speak for what he would do. Hell, it's a character that's been mostly silent. But I think you can tell the story that he doesn't want to be like his father. He wants to be just him just be Jungle Boy, because that's what he thinks his dad would want him to be. And then you got this very cool potential payoff of them winning the tag team titles and really making this very fun, even just sort of happy emotional moment where Santa wins a tag team title and spreads it across the entire world. And, you know, Jungle Boy, he finally wins a title. Something that's kind of been building up over the past year or so. Especially with him kind of being treated like an anti-MJF. Kind of a guy who's slowly been building up resilience but hasn't really been winning a lot. Finally giving him a big win is what I think is really what's necessary for this type of story. And if you want at the end, you can kind of do two options with it. You can either keep Santa there and have them be a tag team. Or you essentially... Put it on the Jurassic Express again because Jungle Boy needs a partner. It's not out of the realm of possibility and you still keep the prestige because Jurassic Express is a damn good tag team. And in addition to that, you can make help the Jurassic rule. Pretty much the Freebird rule, but for the Jurassic Express because I don't know if they're going to bring it a six-man title. Who really knows? Yeah, that's kind of the basis of it. I know it isn't really a traditional feud for, like, FTR and their technical prowess. And it kind of has parallels to Hawkins and Ryder at WrestleMania. But I think it would work. Especially if you tell the story of uh, FTR kind of 
breaking their values a little bit more, not being as precise because they don't take Santa seriously. I mean, who would? And then you build this maybe like lucky win where they win the tag titles and maybe you want them to lose it the next week or so or in a couple weeks or little or not. I think for this type of idea, it's more about building a moment which is very much what Christmas is all kind of about. If you think about it, it's one big moment that you spend with your, like, family and friends. I feel like that's kind of the core of this type of story, is this underdog duo fulfilling almost the impossible. Some might say, a Christmas miracle. And so, let's get on to the next one. And I'm gonna guarantee it may not make a lot of money. Well... It might be a rainmaker. Kazuchika Okada. I'm serious again. Jesus, this is gonna sound so stupid. So, we begin at New Year's Dash. Why New Year's Dash? Cause it's the end of Christmas. It is during a six-man tag team match between Okada, Yoshihashi, Hiroki Goto against Suzuki Guns, Minoru Suzuki, Zack Sabre Jr. And, you know, Taichi. And, you know, everyone's all safely socially distanced. They're all incredibly safe, as they should be, all the great protection that Japan's done. And as the commentators are discussing this match, Santa, all of a sudden, is at ringside. And they're wondering, wh why is Santa here? Isn't, isn't Christmas over? Why is he here? Shouldn't he be at the North Pole or something? And he, he takes off his jacket a bit for a moment. And he, he stands there. And he stares at Okada as he's making his Rainmaker pose. Keeping in mind that probably at Wrestle Kingdom, he probably just had a bunch of Rainmaker dollars just fall out from the sky and, you know, just hit all of these 20,000 fans potentially at the Tokyo Dome. And the match ends, and Santa charges in, and he clobbers Okada. <laughs> and. In a turn of events, this is going to sound even more ridiculous, Santa joins Suzuki-gun. Yes, Suzuki-gun. The heel faction. You might be wondering and questioning, Connor, did you just turn Santa heel? And the answer is, yes, I just turned Santa heel. For no reason! But we'll get to the reason in a second, but up until this point, Santa all of a sudden just attacked Okada and beat the living S-word out of him. Clothesline. Lariat, whatever you want to call it, whatever the commentators want to call it, he just beat up Okada. Maybe that's a good thing, depending on how you feel about Okada right now. But hey, nobody said I couldn't turn Santa heel, and I'm gonna find a way! I'm gonna find a way, so help me God. So, this all happens. We have the shocking reveal that 
Santa has joined Suzuki Gun. And so we get to those classic, like, New Japan backstage interviews that we get. And Santa doesn't really explain himself first. It's all very confusing. The whole mythos behind Santa spreading this goodwill and joy is almost befuddling. It's confusing. There's there's no joy to be had about this. He just he just basically attacked Okada for no reason. He snapped, so to speak. And so he doesn't say anything initially. So we cut to one of their first big shows. We're going to say New Beginning. And he's featured in a tag team match. And he's dressed unlike all the other prerequisites that I've presented Santa in. With the traditional, like, red trousers, wife beaters sort of like top. He's in black trunks. His big bushy beard out. Shaved head. All completely white. And he's coming out with Minoru Suzuki by his side. And he reveals this brand new finisher called the Santa's Claws. A think a la the Gargano escape. Where he completely traps them in his own version that kind of seems like a present. Or at least in this case, it's a present to them. In which he doofully submits whoever is put into this hold. It kind of looks like Okada's... Or you kind of want to make a contrast to Okada's submission move that he's got now. And so we get to the end of the match. And Santa, he gets the microphone. And of course it's a Japanese audience, so he isn't going to be speaking Japanese. He's speaking English, which immediately makes him more of a bad guy. And he talks about how Okada is a spoiled brat. He was grown up in a life of luxury. He got everything he wanted. He was given a world title shot initially when he first, like, re-debuted as the Rainmaker. He's been given rematches within almost, like, a month's notice. Think a la Tetsuya Naito versus Okada for the world title. And more importantly, he is not a good boy. In fact, he should have been put on the naughty list a long, long time ago for these actions. But he wasn't. And Santa's sick of it. He's sick of everything around this. Because 2020 has been hard for everyone. Especially Santa, who has had to travel with all these travel restrictions to give presents to the good boys and girls. With next to no appreciation especially from a person who is given so much to throughout his entire career and for many people's careers because he is Santa and you can argue he's been integral to everybody's career because he's the one who spreads cheer and joy and that cheer and joy sometimes gives you titles. And so this whole thing is about him Saying that I'm tired of just giving and giving and giving. And it's about time I take some of those presents back. Which is why he's aligned with Suzuki-gun. A man who's earned everything on his own. He didn't get gifts from Santa. 
He took that coal and he made it into diamonds. And that's what Suzuki's gonna do with Santa. They're gonna completely destroy anyone on the roster who Santa or Suzuki deems as spoiled brats. People like Kota Ibushi, Hiromu Takahashi, I like to imagine he completely kills Daryl again, and various other figures. You know the drill. And this all culminates to a special singles match between Okada and Santa. Santa looking almost completely unrecognisable to his traditional garbs that we're all aware of him having. Versus the Rainmaker. It's the battle of youth versus elderly. It's the battle of the past versus the future. And it's a battle of Christmas in many ways. And it's the battle of who do you really deem as naughty or nice? And in this scenario, Santa's the one who's not really being nice here. He's been so misconstrued and screwed over by the world that he deems that nearly everyone's a bad person. Because why wouldn't you be after this entire year that we've had? And why wouldn't you want a storyline that kind of shows that that's kind of wrong? I personally want to spread like an air of positivity with this idea. I know it kind of sounds incredibly negative to turn Santa heel, but the outcome of this, I believe, is that by having Okada beat him, you can kind of see in his own eyes the error of his ways that he, in order to get to this point and level, had to take away things that spread so much joy to characters, like Daryl for Hiromu Takahashi, maybe Kurobushi's chance to see Kenny Omega by brutally attacking him. Just all these things that Santa's preached for decades of trying to spread joy being almost erased by his own wrongdoings. And in turn, hell, maybe Suzuki comes out again and he beats up Okada and Santa says no and fights back. And you get this Okada uh, freaking Santa team up. All in time for like a anniversary show. Which, I know it sounds ridiculous, but you know what? It keeps Okada busy, it keeps him out of the title picture, it kind of gives him an interesting character dynamic that isn't involved around the world title. That's all kind of based around his own morality as a character. Is he really a good character? If you explain all the flaws of him, rather than presenting him as Super Saiyan God Okada that we've had for the past, like, three or four years? And at the same time, you kind of show another side to Santa that isn't the traditional way. And in many ways, you create a whole new character in it of its own. That whilst it is Santa, it also isn't Santa. And by proxy, Santa becomes a more encompassing figure that you can have on the roster and have it for a longer period of time. It kind of also adds depth to him and his whole goal and kind of... Because the best heels, I went a little bit off tangent there, is that the best heels are the ones that believe that they're right. And Santa, in this entire thing, believes that he's right. Because why wouldn't he be? The whole world has screwed everybody. And not just Santa, the whole world. 
So why wouldn't he be more critical of people? Especially if he's isolated in the North Pole for so many years, and then all of a sudden he turns up in Japan and he can't leave. Because he's stuck in Japan because of travel restrictions. Just a bunch of logic holes that I feel could work. They'd probably a little, need a little bit more explanation because I'm not perfect. I probably left a huge chunk of things out. But yeah, that's another idea. And so we've already talked about AEW. We've talked about New Japan. I think it's best that we close out the final section of this podcast. With something that's a little bit more encompassing of the world. And really shows that Santa needs some liberation, so to speak. Sami Zayn. We're closing it out on Sami Zayn, who is set to challenge, or at least defend his Intercontinental title against Big E. So... This is all kind of dependent on if he wins or loses or not. I have not checked the spoilers for SmackDown. So, either way, I hope this works. So, we've already talked about the possibility of Santa turning heel. We've already talked about the idea of spreading a positive message in the meaning of Christmas through Jungle Boy. And we've also had this kind of blood feud between him and Chris Jericho. But this is more of a story about his character through the spreading of cheer, losing confidence. And like many of these scenarios I've presented, this ain't a one-time thing with Santa. Santa in this scenario debuts in July, halfway through the year. And he's noticeably different to how we've perceived Santa as this big sort of jolly lad. He's, He's a little bit more down in his luck. He's sort of brooding. His beard is sort of more neatly trimmed. His sort of overall Christmas ensemble is a little more slimmer. And he's just generally tired. He's exhausted. And Charlie Caruso goes up to him and asks, just, what's up? Why aren't you supposed to be delivering presents? It's it's July. Shouldn't you be getting ready for Christmas, and Santa says he can't do it. He can't do this anymore. He's been doing this for so many years that he he doesn't know what to do with himself. So he's came to the WWE to find himself again. And so for a brief time, he goes under the name Saint Nick, and he... He debuts in the WWE as this sort of plucky elderly veteran trying to sort of get his new lease on life. And throughout this journey, as is expected, he loses a ton. He loses to the likes of Big E, Shinsuke Nakamura, Cesaro, Baron Corbin. Just think every heel on the roster. And then he loses to Sami Zayn. All all these efforts made so that Santa can eventually, you know, find his joy of helping people again. Something that's kind of been lost based off of, you know, all the sort of like viral YouTube clips that we see of these 
kids with like eight iPads and thousands and thousands of dollars worth of like cars and houses and all that stuff that we see on the internet. And he really tries to find the good in this. And he, as he starts to get close, he interacts with Sami Zayn, who kind of illustrates that both of them are champions of the continents. They are people who, across the entire world, are forces of change and inspiration. Sami Zayn's Sami Fazirio, which is a fantastic charity, by the way. And just stuff that he does for the WWE. And Santa being an influence not only just across the world, but also to the people at home watching WWE right now for being such a elder statesman willing to take on the gruesome schedule of the WWE system. And so Sami Zayn tries to influence him to be his advisor in his own liberation, so to speak. And over the several weeks of television, Sami Zayn has Saint Nick as his manager. Kind of just supporting him here and there, in which Sami constantly manipulates Santa to have him score wins via cheating and tarnishing the good name of Santa by having him just distract the referee, inadvertently lay hands on opponents who are in a match that he is not involved in, and in many ways, getting him to be completely against the values that he tries to teach men, women, and children. And it brings him into this deeper downward spiral of, is he really good enough to be Santa if he's resorting to these measures? And San and Sami Zayn doesn't really deny it. In fact, he kind of encourages it, kind of saying, well, you may not be good enough for them, but you're good enough for me. And it's kind of Sami Zayn playing these mind games of, hey, you should be with me and nobody else. Which, for many people, is incredibly selfish and entitled. But Santa doesn't notice it, because he's too down on his luck. His whole ideology of how people should be is being tested by, of all people, wrestlers and Sami Zayn. So this all sort of builds to the eventual intercontinental title match that we have currently right now. Big E versus Sami Zayn. And yeah, Big E wins. Big E wins. And Sami Zayn just completely snaps at Santa. Or should I say Saint Nick at this point. Just completely berating him. Saying that he was useless at being Santa. You didn't bring joy to anyone. And you have never brought joy to me. I am the true gift to this world. I am the true liberator. That shall bring this world into a new. Happy and joyful age. And then Santa snaps. And he attacks Sami Zayn. And then that's the start of this big money feud. Santa now calling himself Santa, facing Sami Zayn. And of course, Santa hasn't had any big wins at this point. So he trains with Big E, who he helped inadvertently win the Intercontinental title, because of course Big E loves Santa. Of course he does. He's a guy who like dresses in a bunch of 
costumes, and I'm sure he's incredibly festive. He'd help Santa. Plus, it helps Biggie kind of remain his sort of new day-like self. Help him sort of teach some new moves, start getting him into a more sort of bulky estate, kind of similar to his old Santa ways. He starts growing out his beard a little bit more. There's a little more glimmer in his eyes. He actually seems a little bit younger. And it all culminates in this Santa versus Sami Zayn match at whatever pay-per-view you want to call it. I don't know. We'll we'll call it Santa's Workshop match. That that's the match that we're gonna have for the pay per view. It's the Santa Workshop match, and it's essentially a parking lot brawl style match, but in Santa's Workshop, a place where Santa hasn't been in months because he's been so focused on trying to find himself. The elves have been all hard at work building all of these presents, and then you see Sami Zayn there destroying all of them. And thus the fight starts. They start brawling across everywhere. They start inadvertently destroying presents. And then Sami Zayn just... He inadvertently turns on a YouTube video of one of these spoiled people who inadvertently got him to stop being Santa in the first place because he felt guilty about the whole thing. But then he says to himself, and he says to Sami Zayn, There are many naughty people in this world, but if I can't be nice, who can I really expect to be nice? And so Santa throws the phone out of the way, hits his patented lariat that we've been over. One, two, three. Santa beats Sami Zayn, reclaims his confidence, and in many ways, he spreads a positive message that Christmas is a time for joy and spending time with family. It's not all about presents. It's about sort of spending the time with the people that you love. Wow. Yeah, we... I actually did it. I pitched ideas for Santa. I don't know if this is actually going to be seen by people or not. If it is, hell yeah! If not, I don't blame you. It's a whole wrestling podcast about Santa potentially turning heel or spreading Christmas joy. It's a very seasonal thing. And with that said, I just want to say thank you to everyone who has listened to this podcast over the past year or so that this has started. Like, I started this back in August, and I never really thought it would get to this point. It still, like, blows my mind (laughs) that the growth with this thing since August, and I wouldn't be able to spread this type of joy, potentially, if it wasn't for you guys who took the time to listen to this. So, from the bottom of my heart, I want to say thank you so much. Generally, this is one of the best things that I think I've done <laughs> generally in my life at sort of the age of 22, and I'm so grateful to be able to do this. So I just want to say thank you to every single one of you who have been listening to this, whether you're new or you're old, and I hope all of you have a lovely day and enjoy the holiday season. I 
I know times are tough right now for everyone, and the only advice I can really give is to stay positive. I know this thing is difficult for everybody, but it doesn't mean that it's going to last forever. And I think that's something that we need to really keep in mind, is that there's light at the end of the tunnel. And so, I hope all of you have a bloody amazing Christmas. The best Christmas of all the Christmases. And I hope that all of you have a freaking lovely day and a lovely 2021. Because that's what we all need. So, thank you all so much. And remember everyone, wrestling could always use just a little bit more fiction. See you all. Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs>